Welcome back to the show of the G podcast. I am your host, Julie Cully. Across from me is my husband, Chris Farley. Chris, how are you? You know, doing all right, considering everything. Good to be back on the show. Yeah, it's been a little while. And uh, now we have some people calling in because we can't physically have them in studio. You and I are allowed to be here together because right. we're married. Right. Like we live in the same together. house. We're yep. quarantined together. Um, but we've got our two co-hosts, both uh, Alton McKenzie and Stephen Baldy. Alton, how are you? I'm doing great. How's everyone? Doing well. We're here. We're back. Yep. We're excited to have some content today. So talk about some happy things. Uh, Stephen, how are you doing? Uh, life is good over here. Spending a lot of time in daddy daycare with justice. And I <laughs> learned really quickly that I am not as smart as a four-year-old. <laughs> but, is there a game no, show or something like that should be yeah yeah i mean it's been all good though family's good business is good um just glad to be able to talk and reconnect with people that i love and miss a bunch minus am so <laughs> yeah um, minus am well at least be, you don't have to at least you don't have to sit next to am this time now you can at least be physically <laughs> yeah. physically social, social distanced distance. from each other well, the fact that he didn't, he hasn't delivered any donuts yet, might as well be quarantined because he's not giving me anything. Oh, they got delivered to Pacers. I yes, we're throwing them back. All right, uh, before we get going, guys, I just want to let the audience know I'm a real stickler for audio. So we've got uh, the crew on the WhatsApp here. I've never used it before. So, I, you know, we're, we're a little we're, bit out, a little bit outside your comfort zone. We're, we're doing our best. I just want to make that disclaimer. Yeah. And Chris is our producer. He's <laughs> our producer extraordinaire. Yes, so extraordinary. he does the uh, audio. He actually does the editing for yeah. us for the show on the Jeep podcast. So um, we're very grateful for that because otherwise it would just be a hodgepodge mess of no. us <laughs> chattering through. So happy, thank happy you to do it. Hopefully this works out. Well, Chris, appreciate you being flexible and, and uh, versatile. You got to be right now. You got to pivot, no doubt. Well, guys, it's been quite a few weeks since we last got together. Um, the world has changed a lot. Um, our last podcast was, I believe, the first week of March, maybe that uh, first Friday of March. It was about one week after Rich Kana had hosted the Olympic trials in Atlanta. It was a few days after we got back from the Big East Championships, and oh my gosh, how things have changed. Um, we probably should have been doing a podcast weekly at that point to just uh, update what, what's going on with the team and and maybe grab some more stories. Um, we, we, we got together and, and talked last week, not physically got together, but we talked last week and we thought, gosh, let's let's start to bring in some some stories from our alumni community of people who are really stepping up and stepping out um, for the community to kind of combat uh, the COVID-19 virus. Um, so it's been a crazy couple of weeks that the student athletes and all of Georgetown shut down along with all the other universities across the country and headed home in a huge quick rush um, right after the spring break, um, which was the following week after we last uh, recorded our podcast. So life has changed so much for our student athletes. Um, we're, we're here obviously talking about Georgetown. So we're going to talk about what, you know, our Georgetown student athletes have been going through. Um, but it has shifted so much for everyone. And thank goodness, um, at least in our very localized community, 
um, our student athletes are healthy and their families are um, right now. So we're very blessed for that, along with our, our staff, of course, and uh, the people who we connect with at Georgetown. So I think that Georgetown actually did a really great job of you know, getting a little bit ahead of this and shutting things down. Uh, we were one of the earlier institutions to do that across the country. And I think it really saved our campus from having a huge outbreak of COVID. Um, we do have individuals who have gotten it um, and the campus continues to keep us updated. But thankfully, our student athletes were able to get out before it really started to, to pick up in the Washington, D.C. area. So very thankful everybody's home. It's been a whole new world for them to adjust to. And uh, Alton, I was going to ask you a little bit about what some of your experiences have been kind of coaching some of our student athletes through the last couple of weeks. Like, what has that been like for them? Well, my approach um, and how I've kind of weathered this, this storm, so to speak, is to coach with more compassion and not just being passionate. So um, being very flexible, they're spread across the country. So, you know, there's, there could be one student athlete in New York who is in a whole different scenario than someone who's, you know, potentially in Florida, who's not, you know, in the city, so, so to speak. So it's been a challenge, but kind of meeting them where they are. Um, there are people who are a little bit uh, nervous, I would say, about even going outside. So it's kind of be encouraging them to still try to do their best. They still have class. So... Mm -hmm. They're still busy um, doing online learning, but also being very flexible regarding what we try to do as, as far as approaching coaching with with, um, with our group. Um, a lot of uh, circuits, doing general strength circuits, uh, doing a lot of stuff indoors, but also if people have the flexibility to, you know, to be outside safely, um, going on runs. Um, and just being there for each other. I think one of the biggest things that's come out of this is every situation, is, is it might be different, and people are getting involved in their community as well. So not just coaching and thinking about um, how we're staying in shape, but trying to be involved in the community. Um, mm -hmm. I'm sure you'll talk a little bit more about this, Julie, but I think our Heart of Ahoya uh, campaign that we're doing is actually keeping some folks, uh, I would say, engaged and not just looking at um, am I training and going to class, but how am I helping during this this crisis? Yeah, absolutely. And thanks for bringing that up, Am. Um, that's something that we came up with as a staff a couple of weeks ago, and we thought to ourselves we were looking around at social media all across the country from you know different uh, cross country and track and field programs, men's and women's, and a lot of them were focused on the specific athlete, like what was life like for the specific athlete. So what was it like to be home studying? What was it like to be doing a home gym? And I thought to myself, you know, it, it felt very central focused on the individual. And this whole crisis is about, you know, helping others. Like how can we, how can we make this go away as quickly as possible? How can we be good citizens and good people who are um, taking care of not only our families and our neighbors, but for the greater good, practicing social distancing, uh, you know, getting out there and helping our elderly community who's terrified. Um, so we came up with the heart of the Hoya and um, it was a way to showcase what was already happening with our track and field student athletes. And so I think 
being a part of the Georgetown community is all about care personalis. It's all about serving um, as part of that Jesuit identity. And it's definitely part of our student athlete experience. And so that was something we really wanted to hone in on. Like what was our community already doing? Not just like, hey guys, we want you to get out there and do something, but what are they experiencing? What, how is, how is COVID affecting them? And, and how are they able to stand up and, and do a little bit more um, outside of themselves? And so that's what the focus has been the last couple of weeks is showcasing those stories. And, and I know you want to get to Steven here and what's been going on with him and his group. Uh, but for everybody who is uh, listening to this show, hopefully you have an Instagram account. If not, get an Instagram account. Uh, it's at Hoya's Track. Give them a follow. Really compelling, really neat stories that you guys have been putting out uh, over the past couple weeks. It's at Hoya's Track. Yeah, and anything from like how you're helping your immediate family to how you're stepping out uh, into into your own community. Um, so like I think we're releasing a, a – a uh, post today that's about one of our uh, freshman men um, on the distance squad. And he is the oldest of, I think, seven kids. And so he's been home and, you know, maybe not necessarily going out in his community, but he's helping his parents like educate his younger siblings on top of his own um, academic studies. And then we have a young woman later this week uh, who's a jumper lyric and she's going to be um, talking a little bit about how she felt like there was more she could do I believe it was for a food bank in her hometown of Seattle and so she started a gift card drive um, to start to raise funds to be able to help out a little bit more so there's all kinds of ways that I think our, our kids are stepping up for each other and stepping up for their families and their communities but this has just been a really cool way to showcase it and and Stephen how That's is cool. lyric and uh, all, all the rest of your group doing they're doing well. I will tell you that, um, you know, Coach McKenzie has been great in setting up a weekly Zoom call mm-hmm. for us all to kind of touch base virtually. And uh, what is consistent is, as Coach Julie said, you know, people are really understanding the moment and understanding that it's not so much about what I may be going through or what I may be at risk at. Because, you know, the people on this call and most of our student athletes aren't really in the danger zone as far as contracting the virus and then having it end and a loss of life. But what they do understand is that, you know, as citizens of the world, because that's what this is affecting, that we all have an obligation to flatten the curve, you know, help those who are most at risk and the most vulnerable. And that's been a consistent theme in the conversations that we've had with our student athletes is what they're doing. Hmm. Um, And I will admit, because uh, I want to be transparent. You know, when this all first came out, I was one of those people who kind of pushed back and didn't really take it that seriously. And this is like in the first week right. where it just felt like the media was over-dramatizing the situation and talking about, you know, Hank, Tom Hanks getting it and Idris Alba getting it. And it just felt really sensationalized. And I, you know, I was one of those first people that was like, you know, is this really that serious? Um, But as the message pivoted to, you know, this is really about flattening the curve, although you may not be at risk, those others who might be, um, I really started to understand the moment. And uh, it really came home. And if and if it's okay, I'll talk about it briefly. You know, St. Albans School, which is right up the street from Georgetown University, supports the program by giving us access to their track facilities, Mm -hmm. specifically the track and, and the runway. And. You know, when I was at Bullet School prior to coming to Georgetown University, we competed in the same conference as St. Albans. And I guess where the moment really struck home for me is I found out two weeks ago that Malcolm Pittman, 
who had been a basketball, football, track and field coach, went to McDonough High School locally here in Baltimore, went to UVA and played football. He passed away from COVID-19, oh. really unexpectedly. Wow. And um, Malcolm was an extremely like generous and funny and competitive guy. Yeah, you, know, you could you could show up to a track meet and not even see Malcolm, but you could hear his laughter uh, from across the the track. And so, you know, that really hit home for me. You know, I've spoken indirectly to the coaching staff there, and if any of them happen to be paying attention to this podcast, I just want Ted and the staff to know that you know Malcolm impacted a lot of individuals outside of the St. Albans community, and uh, you know his legacy and that laughter will live in a lot of people for a long time. Wow, that is a powerful thanks for, story. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, thanks yeah, so thanks much for sharing that. that. It's it's amazing. I mean, there's just, there are so many stories right now. And uh, a lot of it's, you know, friend of friend. A lot of it's just direct with family members. Um, you know, we found out we have a family member who, you know, contracted COVID and brought it into their entire household. And so the whole household is getting tested right now. So, I mean, it's everywhere. And I think that that was what was hard at first. And I'll attest to that, Stephen. I remember when this was starting to come out and you were you were a naysayer. And then, man, we had a call a couple of weeks into it and you were in tears. And I, I was like, oh, my gosh, it was starting to really hit home for people. The power of that moment um, and, and what we've, we're all experiencing. So continue to do what we're doing, continue to do what you're doing. Um, let's continue to try to flatten the curve and, and hopefully get out on the other end of this soon. But um, we're going to bring in a special guest today, uh, a member of our alumni community, Andy Downen. Uh, he is going to talk to us a little bit about his role as the senior manager of global running marketing at New Balance and what New Balance has done um, to try to flatten the curve and support our uh, front lines workers in the medical community. So in a moment, we'll bring in Andy Downen. All right, and we are back with our guest, Andy Downen. Andy, how are you? Oh, doing well. <laughs> doing well. I, I, every depends on the hour that you ask. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Tell us, we had a little debate before you got on here about what year you actually graduated from Georgetown. You mean like officially graduated or <laughs> left? <laughs> or yeah, there was deferred. there was a there was a discrepancy between when you actually There's physically graduated and when you actually left. I, I guess before we get started, I, I, should we have a safe word? Like, can I have a safe word to like? <laughs> If you ask questions and I, you know what I mean? I don't want, wait, are we recording right now? We are, are recording. <laughs> Keep going. The safe word is like, gags. Safe, safe word is gags. Oh, that gosh. doesn't sound safe at all, actually. That, that doesn't sound safe. <laughs> that, sounds, that actually makes my, my pulse rate go very yeah. high when you say that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> it starts the race. Yeah. <laughs> I had enough credits in 95 to graduate. Nin that's 1995 yes. to nice. graduate. Um and but I deferred, so I, I had I had an extra year of eligibility. I came in my freshman year with mono, good old mononucleosis. I picked up uh, mm -hmm. the summer before uh, I graduated. So um, we won't we won't summer. ask how you found that how, yeah, how you exactly. got mono. And then I got mono like the week before I left for Georgetown. So my whole first semester I was like recovering from mono. So I I redshirted across 
and uh, and then picked up in like uh, January then and started competing. Um, and so then you, so you like, were a bi from the start. Then you're a, a bad investment from the start. <laughs> Gex I was, was a terrible. Gex was probably really mad. Yes, <laughs> you show up with mono, right? You're like you're like like five days before I'm supposed to go off and like start this great chapter. I'm like, hey, so what? Just say so you no. Know, small little hiccup. I have mono. You know, and he's like, oh, <laughs> he's like what's uh, that? <laughs> what? Yeah, he had no idea. Uh, I think he actually knew it was the kissing. I think it was the kissing. <laughs> I said, that kissing one. <laughs> um, so yeah, so I deferred. So I I actually applied for grad school, got in, and then kind of debated. And I only needed, I only actually needed two more classes to get a second major in psychology. So I opted for the second major. I knew it was going to be a big year. I was like, I was super into running and, and, uh, was at the time and was like just getting a little bit of my stride and figuring it out. And I said, you know, I'm going to kind of go all in from running for the year and, and, uh, opted for the second major instead of the, the grad. And then, so actually officially, so I walked in 95 and then actually graduated in 96. Got it. Wow. That's actually not that far off of what I did. I was a double major, kind of pushing things out. But I graduated from Rutgers, so it's a little <laughs> bit different. <laughs> uh, but great, great time. Tell us a little bit about your experience uh, at Georgetown, uh, some of your athletic accomplishments, some things maybe people would know, wouldn't know. Oh, my God. How long do we have? You know, yeah, it's like, right. uh, <laughs> I mean, it, 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 it's funny. You know, I, 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 I think that it, it was such an amazing time in my life, you know, like that that five years was like, like, like better than any other time frame I can take out of my entire existence. Right. I mean, like had so much fun in high school and had like a great athletic career and a great family and all these other things. And, and then obviously had some successes after, and even now I've got this amazing family, but like, I look at like the kind of the, the highlight of my life is being in college and like the, the friends you make and, and um, you know, like, like gags was just this amazing, amazing figure in my life who, who, uh, you know, it was like, I don't want to say as important as my parents, but, but, but pretty close, you know? Um, and just like the connections you make are so strong, you know, just running into people like Baldy and AM and, and like, like, like you can pick up a conversation like it was 20 years ago. And, and uh, I think it speaks like volumes to the, to the like deep connections you made with people. And, and, um, I think just how, how like, deep it gets into your psyche and 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 stuff so it was it was such an amazing amazing time you know and, and then you it kind of like the the successes and failures and all those things that, like you can kind of i look back and remember them, but they're kind of just like little stats you know it's it's more the connections with people that we made and i mean i remember the first time i went to georgetown my recruiting trip i was like the wave of like oh my god this is like the most like is this like a dream world look at this place you know <laughs> like i I, I had no idea places like that even existed. And uh, and it, it lasted like that my entire time I was there, you know, um, from just the history of like seeing like, you know, Troutman and Holman make the Olympic team in, in 92 and, uh, you know, all the way through. It was just like this amazing, amazing experience. So, A.D., so just to talk about names, right, you know, there was A.M., but then came A.D., and I think you, you had a bigger mark than A.M., Talk, you're not you're being you're being a little bit bashful but talk about some of those successes um if i recall you won a couple of titles so don't be bashful you could you could you could brag a little bit give us a little bit this of is your little, one you know, moment this yeah, is your this one is moment it. you don't get this to brag my, at this home is the last this is my last moment to, to get this out right to the, 
to the 12 people listening right now. To hey, this. hey, easy. We got a bigger following, pal. Come oh, on, you're yeah, insulting yeah, totally. me. Come on. We're going to have 12 million because yeah, of exactly. you. <laughs> the, uh, no, the, uh, yeah, I mean, I, you know, in college, um, you know, I was, Gags, Gags was so great. And Gags and I are so similar in so many ways, like amazing passion, like just like, like oozing passion about life and and everything we do like gags and i were the same way we wanted to just like go all in all the time right and and like we were so into team and i remember just i i i liked i was a soccer player in high school i didn't run cross country and it was because i i was so into the team and the community and all these things and those were all everything was gags about so i think i was i was so proud of our like of our four years at georgetown and cross country as a team you know I, i think I went back and looked and like we over four years, we had like the best four year span of any any team in the history of Georgetown. I think we our worst finish was like 13th. We went like we were ranked number one for a three, like a two month stretch was which was still goes down as like some of the best memories I have at Georgetown. Um, But, you know, we we did some cool things like we you know, we had three peoples in the finals at the NCAA meet in the 1500 uh, my senior year. So we went like fifth sixth and eighth and we were like the only three americans in the in the top eight at the at the nca outdoor meet which was pretty cool you know um three 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 people under 340 in one race um you know this is back when running under 340 was like a big deal you know like now it's like you know people do it on a on a weekend you know it's not a big deal (laughs) you know um but you know I, i mean the cross country stuff was was fun it was always for me like the team stuff was bigger than the individual things i looked back and i was like i didn't even realize that, that being a four-time all-american in, in cross country was a big deal i i was always way more caught up with winning the big east and and um qualifying for the nca meet and then getting the nca meet and 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 you know competing for a trophy that was always our dream was as a team was to win a trophy and and unfortunately we kind of fell short but um yeah that's incredible andy tell us a little bit about why you chose georgetown yeah, I mean, it, it was a it was a mix, you know. Um, I, I like I said, I, I was I, I was a pretty ignorant uh, uh, high school kid, you know. I, I I lived in a bubble, probably like my like most high school kids. I I, I knew where Georgetown was. I, I kind of knew what Georgetown hoops was. Um, and then I remember I got a um, an an edition of Track and Field News, and it and it had um, Troutman and Holman on the cover. Oh wow! And and I remember, and there was a pen relays, which is so ironic that right, this is pen relays week, I think, right? Isn't it? It is. Um, yes. Was was supposed to be pen relays week, and I remember thinking like, and I read the article, and I and I was like, wow, this I I didn't know that they did four by fifteen hundred meter relays, and and uh, I didn't know who Troutman and Holman were until this moment, and I was like, wow, this is this is a pretty cool place, and and uh, and then gag it was funny, um, the. The guy who was the the official starter for our Massachusetts State meet lives down the street from me in, in Duxbury, where I grew up. And his daughter was a cheerleader for my high school soccer team. And Gags ran into this this official starter, and he's like, "Hey, you got it? You, you know, you got anybody good up in your and <laughs> and uh, and this guy was like, "Actually, we have this soccer player who's a decent runner." And so next thing you know, Gags is calling me up on the phone, and and uh, I just thought. The difference of talking to Gags on the phone versus every other, like every other mm. recruiter was the exact, like talking to, I, you could have just put them as they were all the same. And then you talk to Gags and he was so different. And so it was so great to talk to him and, and he was so good at it. Like in marketing now at, at New Balance, we talk about just 
like like singling yourself out and being different from the crowd right? and how do you do it and gags was like he wasn't trying to do it he i don't even think he knew that he was but like <laughs> he still doesn't he a, yeah he's a master he's just like he'll get on the phone with you for 30 seconds and and uh you know you're you're just blown away right you're like this guy like mm-hmm. you you were just blown away and, and uh and then i like i said i went to georgetown and visited and met met the team was blown away by the history um the campus um you know the support for athletics um obviously and then the academic side which was huge i mean i you know it was um yeah i mean i'm, I'm extremely thankful and grateful for like the time at the university for the all the connect i i can go back and track my whole life and and professional running whatever and, and it's all like connections and friends and and lessons i learned at georgetown well, that's pretty special. Um, <laughs> and, and to think like, you know, you're still in the run industry. Uh, you left Georgetown, you ran professionally for a number of years, right? And, uh, you know, won a title or so on the U.S. circuit. And then tell us a little bit about uh, your transition then into the run specialty space. Yeah, you know, so in, let me think, uh, years here. So I graduated in 96. Uh, I ran in D.C. for the Enclave for another year and a half i had a lot of injury problems um i had a couple surgeries on my achilles um and kind of just decided on a whim i just like you know what i my my younger brother was in wisconsin um was at the university of wisconsin and, and uh, they had a really small team they had like seven guys on the team and one night he was just like hey why don't you just move out here just like mix it up just start fresh i, I wasn't even running at the time and, and uh and i kind of just like woke up the next day I went and talked to gags and he's like you know, he was like so amazing. He's like, hey, you do whatever you got to do for you, you know, mm-hmm. like and uh, and I it was like two weeks later, I packed up my car and I moved to Wisconsin and, and uh, I kind of bopped around. I was running like I started running, I think, like five minutes a day or something like that. It was like I got out there and my coach, uh, Jerry Schumacher, was like, you know what, how much can you run without pain? And I'm like, I can run about a minute without pain. He's like, well, then run a minute this week. Next week, we're on two minutes. Jeez. And we just like. We, we took like a year to get back to running. And, and at the time I was bounced, bounced around from jobs and I, I got, I ended up at moving shoes, which is this little runs cool, super cool, old run specialty shop in, in Madison. And, uh, it started out in the back of a, of an old, old, um, station wagon, right. That Carl Harder, the, one of the, the owner and, and founder would drive door to door and would deliver your shoes out of a station wagon and everything else. And so, um, so yeah, so I ended up working at Moving Shoes for eight years, seven eight years, and kind of built the marketing plan and all the community programs and everything. And and uh, Carl was awesome because he would just let my I have this crazy brain just just goes, and he would just let me try and do whatever I wanted, and and we'd experiment and do funky races for kids and everything else, and and it was a blast. We had, we had a great time. Moving Shoes, iconic brand in our specialty uh, industry. Is that during the time that you won an, a national title in 1500 meters? I'm looking at a picture of you in front of Paul McMullen and Seneca Lassiter. And... Yeah, so that was 2001. Yeah, uh, at, yeah USA Outdoor Meet in Eugene. Uh, that was the, uh, I mean, anybody who's, you know, followed the sport for a little while, that members, members of the Allen Webb High School year, uh, you know, the year he broke Ryan's record at pre- um, just like that, that month or two months in time was like all eyes were on Alan Webb in the sport and, and, uh, that race, which normally would be on, I think NBC or something, you know, and, and, uh, you know, whatever the viewership was there, but they, they broke live and, and showed it live on sports center 
um, the, the 1500 and, and they were hyping Alan and the whole thing about Alan. And so that, that race was, you know, like was one of those, um, just like perfect time to kind of like, you know, be on and, and win a race. Is that a pivotal moment in your, your, your running career or what, what did that catapult you in or did it open doors or for years and years? I, you know, I, cause I dealt with so many injury problems and had surgeries and, you know, you know, thought about quitting the sport probably, you know, a half dozen times up till then. And, and, uh, you know, a, a move and then starting with a new coach and just like, you know, working part time jobs and, you know, you know, begging my parents for a hundred bucks here so I could <laughs> pay my electric bill and, you know, like what, you know, whatever it was. And so um, I think at the time, my I think my salary was like four grand a year. I think that was my contract, you know, mm-hmm. and, and uh, so you're obviously scraping by working at moving shoes and probably spending more time at moving shoes. Than I am training and, and everything else. Um, um so I, I had a good year in 2000. I, I finished sixth at the Olympic trials in the 1500. I missed the team by like 1.1 second or something like that. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I missed missed the team in 96 by 0.2 seconds. So I was I was healthy and I was fit and I was like and and not making the Olympic team just motivated me to a level that I, I didn't know I had. And so that like for me always like failures catapulted me to something really great afterwards um and that was kind of it like not making the olympic team in 2000 being healthy i was fully committed to the sport and like like dove all in and and uh, i think i finished 19th at the world uh cross-country championships in in 01 um you know made my second straight world team in cross and so I love doing cross in, in the in the winter, and then like that was all. I knew that was a good sign that the outdoor season was gonna be was gonna be pretty awesome. Speaking of Eugene, you know, we glossing over you trying to be bashful. I needed to stop being bashful a little bit. <laughs> um, you know, we spent some time together 2014. We won't disclose too much of what we did, but it required me to not sleep before I flew out of uh, World Juniors. But talk a little bit of, a little bit about. Um, your connection with Eugene. Yeah. Yeah. It's, um, you know, I could, I, again, it's a topic I could probably talk about for a long time. I, I, uh, I, from the moment I stepped foot on Eugene, my first time Eugene was 96 at the NCAA championships. Um, I PR'd in the 1500. Like I said, me and my like two best friends in the world, we finished top eight at the, in, in the finals, all from the same, you know, all from Georgetown, you know, make the finals all American, you know, up on the podium, like just this kind of like surreal experience, the whole thing. Um, and then, and then fast forward to 01, you know, win the U.S. championship. That was my second time in Eugene was 01. I won, won the U.S. championships. I'm like, wow, this place, there's something about this place. And and so my one of my best friends in the world, Andy Healy, who also, you know, ran, ran track at Georgetown um, and uh, called me one day, I think it was 05 or 06, and said, hey, um, and I'd been putting on these events, these funky events all around and whatever. And he called me and said, hey, um, what do you think about a marathon in Eugene, Oregon? My first response is, I'm like, uh, there must be a marathon in Eugene, Oregon. It's Tracktown, USA. And he's like, actually, no, there hasn't been a marathon there since 1986. And so me, him, and his uncle and, and Andy's wife uh, kind of developed the first Eugene marathon, which which went off in 07, in 2007. So two years in, in the buildup, and, and um, we built a... A, a, a pretty cool event. I think the first year we had about 5,000 runners and then at the kind of peak, um, right before I think I, I, I moved away and took my current job, I think it was 2012. We had like about 8,500 runners. Wow. And so it was a pretty cool, uh, yeah, just, a, just an amazing community event and made so many connections through 
the sport learned so much about, I mean, Eugene is so political um, in running and, and uh, it's, I mean, it's an amazing place, but it, there's so much passion. Whenever you get so much passion for something, you have a lot of opinions and a lot of people in a really pretty like small city um, to have so many people and so many uh, like characters and personalities and, and the Oregon track club and everything else. So um, yeah, it was a really, really tough decision in 2012 to leave and move up, move to Boston and work at New Balance um, because I built, I was on the board for the Oregon Track Club and was, you know, putting on this, you know, the biggest event in town and uh, worked on the Olympic trials in 08 and the Olympic trials in 2012. And it was just like, was, was really just doing a lot of things. But then, you know, the kids kind of change. <laughs> kids Kids really, really f up your life. You know what I mean? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't say that. Didn't you have a ten-year-old have a Nicole, birthday yesterday or something? Nicole's, Nicole's not listening. See, yeah. she doesn't. She doesn't. Yeah, um, I did. My son turned ten yesterday, so he was. Yeah, you know, we used to. We, when my kids were young, we would carry around in baby joggers and and baby Bjorns and everything else, and we'd be working events, and we'd have them in carriers and stuff, and you know, so. Yeah, so our lives have changed a lot in nine years, yeah. Andy, did you meet Nicole out in Eugene, too? We actually met through the Foot Locker Championships uh, in 2001. Um, we, I worked for the Midwest uh, as a chaperone, actually, as, a, as like one of the quote-unquote coaches. And, and Nicole was out um, as an athlete, a representative for Nike at the time. And, uh, and so we had the same agent, which we didn't even know we had the same agent. So we actually bonded over making fun of, I'm not going to say the agent's name, but making fun <laughs> of our agent for like two hours one, one day. We just joked about how, you know, the like the flaws of having an agent and the flaws of this particular agent. And, and, uh, and it was just that kind of a laugh. And then, and then we actually both were working for the marathon in 07. Um, Nicole was actually the first employee that we hired at the marathon in 07. And, and you're talking about Nicole Teeter, who's an Olympian, um, and she was running for the track club out there at the time. Was she running for GAG? Yeah, yeah. So she ran for GAGs um, on the farm team. Okay. You know, that's why she's, she's at the American record in the indoor 800, which stood up until last year. So stood for like 15 or 16 years. Um, and uh, and then um, she took about a year off injury stuff, and then she picked up with gags in '07 um, out at the Oregon Track Club Elite, um, and then and then trained with him in '07 and '08, and then made the Olympic team again for the second time in '08. So we have some high expectations for your children now, Andy. <laughs> I've seen some videos on Facebook. Your daughter looks like she's going to be recruitable pretty soon here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's a it's a it's a high-powered family there from the running scene yeah and yeah uh, you put a good word in uh you need georgetown. to recruit georgetown. georgetown i know that's not oh where nicole God, went me. but oh, trust me no i know no no, no we don't want any hogs we don't want right. any arkansas hogs no. <laughs> so, exactly so, so uh coming back to massachusetts you started to work for new balance in 2000 and and it looks like 2012. Um, is that right? 2012. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah right 2012. After the, was that a yep. tough? I mean, so that's sort of a homecoming for you. Was that a tough decision to bring the family uh, east and and go to uh, Boston? Yeah, it was. It was incredibly, incredibly hard. Um, you know, I, I I didn't know where my career was going. I mean, I think at the time, I don't, I don't know. You know, time is all relative. I'm like, I was maybe mid 30s, just had my second kid. 
Um, I'm doing all I'm, I'm just loving what I'm doing, but I'm, I'm kind of like things have gotten a little stale. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I just got this random call from Josh Rowe, who's a longtime friend. He was my representative at Nike when I was an athlete and said, Hey, would you ever want to move to Boston? And, uh, and I've always been a yes person, just kind of like, you know, <laughs> like, let's just see what's, let's just see what, we're, what, what is it? What do you got? You know? And, and he kind of threw an idea out there to come manage all of the events, uh, for new balance and, and, uh, kind of looked into it and it kind of made, you know, it was really scary and, and different. And, and, uh, but Nicole and I chatted about it and she was like, whatever you want to do, let's do it. And so we kind of just jumped, you know, and, and, uh, it was a tough, very tough transition, you know, to go back to the East coast, living, uh, you know, living in a big city, uh, working for a corporation, um, you know, going from working at home and, doing uh, bouncing from job to job to job and, mm-hmm. and everything else. So it's just a huge, you know, transition and change. Plus we had a, a, you know, as you guys are aware, a one and a two year old. So it was like <laughs> in the thick of like craziness, you know? Oh, we get it. Yeah, for sure. So you were the manager <laughs> of, of us running events uh, for five years there, then senior manager of global running events at new balance. And then now your current role, senior manager, global uh, running marketing, uh, talk about, I mean, so you've been there with New Balance forever. You know, they're such an important company in terms of the uh, the running space. Um, you know, talk about that company and how, um, how how you feel about them, especially in light of what's going on now. Yeah, I mean, the uh, it's just an amazing, you know, so, you know, we're, we're, we're privately owned, owned by owned by one family, you know, the Davis family. And uh, you you feel it. Every, every time, you know, you, 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 you always get the sense that it's this like, I mean, you have to remind yourself, this this is like, you know, a huge company and, and with, you know, 8,500 employees globally. You're a global running market. You're head of global running marketing. So yes, it's global. It's pretty big, dude. Yes. yes. Oh yeah. It's, it's a huge deal. And then you're like, but it's owned by this family and, and they make decisions like quick decisions every day. Hmm. And and especially, especially in times like this. And, and that's where I've been so like mostly impressed, you know, um, you know, the bombings in Boston. Um, I, I, I remember just like, like standing in the office and we had, you know, I'm, I'm managing the Boston marathon activations, which is huge for new balance at the time. And this bombing happens, which is like, and I remember just, you know, the owner walking in and, you know, we, we had a conversation and, and it was like, never in his mind was it about the business it was always like what was the what was the right thing to do for people at the time for everything it was like it was like well what about like pr he's like i don't want any pr with this let's just this is what we're doing and we're moving forward you know wow and it was it was like that every single time there's been like i mean unfortunately there's been you know we've had a few disasters over the last seven and a half years and and it's always been the same response and and it was never a surprise here with this one that you know, people would step up, you know, we transitioned, um, all of our, you know, our U S factories pretty much overnight, you know, so we were, you know, making hundreds of thousands of shoes, uh, you know, in, manufactured in new England and, um, pretty much just flipped the switch and said, okay, so how, what can we do here? What can we, how can we do our part? And, and, uh, and before, before you get to that, end, I mean, yeah, it, the, yeah. the fact that you guys are actually manufacturing in the U S I mean, how many other companies of your size or in your space are doing that? I mean, no, but no, but it's just us. Um, we're the only ones. And, and uh, so the fact that the New England factories there, you know, it's just the, the, the story and the, the it, again, that's that speaks volumes to the Davis family. You know, it's like 
the the commitment to it because it, it's not a um i mean there's a reason all the companies move overseas right yep. it's it's way better for business to be overseas and more so cost uh, effective, yeah, big time yep way way more so yeah so it was uh it was huge and 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 that was the company that was the kind of company that i wanted to work for you know what i mean like back to that whole like connection with gags and about family and community and team that commitment was what i wanted you know all right so these sh- factories are making hundreds of thousands of pairs of shoes a day and you mobilize yes. them to make masks yeah c- explain some more about that uh yeah i mean so you know the First of all, we wanted to keep people working, right? So there was a, a, a few factors, right? So first of all, there's a massive need. We're hearing there's shortages on on um, medical supplies, right? Specifically masks. Um, and then also we've got we've got factories. We don't want to put factory workers out, you know. So um, it was fulfilling a, a couple needs, and um, so they they basically so we went, worked back with. Um, CDC and, and local hospitals to make sure that the masks were up to par, um, got them approved, got a prototype, um, did basic testing on them, got supplies in place. And I think within two weeks, they were up to where they could make 100,000 masks per week. Wow. Jeez. And now they haven't announced it, but now they're up to where productions because we opened another we've opened other factories and now we're making 250,000 masks per week. That's incredible. Where are these masks? Where are these masks going? So there, you know, so there is. A, I mean, you can actually apply. So if you go to newbalanceteam.com, you can. There is actually a, a a link there that you can actually apply to 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 buy masks. So they're basically at cost. So they're donating a bunch, um, and then they're also offering them like at cost. So it's not a money maker by any means. Um, so you can go and you can apply to then receive. And they're only selling them in, in bulk. So I think you can buy them in like packages of 500. So because they really want to make sure that they're going to the front lines and, and not going to. So wow. there's, a, there, there's a whole screening process. It can't be like, you know, Chris Farley wants to stockpile <laughs> right. 2,000 right. masks in, in his basement. Right. Uh, you know, the back, of the, the back of the store. Scrap that idea, Julie. <laughs> That was, um, that was the secondary benefit uh, of this phone call. That was it. Exactly. So they're, they're screening and making sure that they're going to the front lines. So, so Andy, your, your job has obviously shifted completely. April's a big month for you. You got the Boston Marathon, huge activations for New Balance. And then you got the London Marathon that you guys sponsor. I mean, so has your job shifted into some of this or what are you doing? <laughs> I mean, what do you do here? Yeah. <laughs> what would you say? Yeah. I mean, there's Wait. nothing for you to do now, right? Are there any, any of my bosses? Yeah, listening? I know. <laughs> um, no, it, it is gotten um, incredibly complex. It's gotten incredibly at times um, simplistic uh, when, with like making massive, massive decisions about cancellations of huge events like the London marathon or, you know, the moving of what we're doing with the New York marathon in, in November. Mm-hmm. And then I'll have to like shift. And in next minute, I'm making like cheese quesadillas for my kids out <laughs> in the kitchen. It's, it, it's just like, you know, it's this like surreal existence and, and, um, very difficult decisions, very difficult times. I mean, as I'm sure, you know, you guys are, everybody's aware, right. It, 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 it's affecting us all and it's affecting us all so differently. Um, so you were just having to be, make very quick, very hard decisions on the fly, um, 
figure out what the future of like events is going to be, what's the future of the running industry going to be, um, all this talk about what the new norm. And then again, we're global. So like it's different. Like it's, right now it's different in China, right? They're, they're back in the office. Running is actually up and up and going again. Running is growing in China. Um, you know, you know, parts of the, you know, obviously the U.S. is still mostly closed down. Parts of Europe are still closed down. It's just and every spot is different. So assessing the regional needs and, and it's just it gets so complex at times. And like I said, then certain times it's just like it's so simplistic and, and just odd, you know. Yeah. And, and it's so interesting, too. I mean, and we're not quite yet, there yet, but the whole running community is shifting as well. Right. So right now you're focused on making masks, but now we're the whole U.S., at least. And you're talking about China there, too. We're creating new runners. Mm-hmm. People are getting outside and running now. So there's going to be a whole different strategy, I imagine, when you kind of get back to, quote unquote, normalcy. Yeah. I mean, we're, we're predicting another running boom, actually. Mm-hmm. Um you know, r- running, believe it or not, is is growing. There's more people. There's more new runners now, as many new runners now as there's ever been. Um, it's as we know, it's such a simple sport, right? You need a pair of shoes, and you get your butt outside and you go, right? And so there's so many resources for training and 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 products and everything that are still there. Um, so, yeah, we're, we're predicting that this boom is going to continue. I think that. Once events get back up and running, events are going to be as popular as ever. Um, I do think there's going to be shifts in the way we do business and everything else, and we'll all shift, and the smart ones will adjust and figure it out, right? And, and, And that's what we're trying to do. Well, Andy, thank you so much. I mean, it's been incredible to kind of hear your story from all the way back in in high school as a soccer player to know what you're doing now as a part of the New Balance family and positively affecting uh, this whole movement um, that's happening to support all those affected by COVID-19. So we appreciate so much you being here and sharing those stories today. No, thank you guys. And we didn't even need the safe word. So that's, that's great. <laughs> I know. <Yeah. laughs> I felt like we ended on a high note. We started yeah. out with, you know, I, I was like, man, where is this going to go? Yeah. But no, no, honestly, uh, I, I, I hope you guys are well, you know, um, you know, just just want all of our like Georgetown family to know that, you know, everybody's with you guys all. We I mean, we constantly, constantly all the alumni, I mean, are always following the team and all the Georgetown folks. So wish everybody well. And yeah, thanks so much for putting this together. And, and Andy, I'm, I'm looking at your, your Instagram. Your last post was Georgetown related. It was your family. Uh, it looks like uh, a couple other uh, maybe runners you ran with and gags. So yeah, you're, you're not lying. Georgetown is really a, uh, a big piece of your history. It, it's huge. Yeah. I mean, it's as, yeah. I mean, it's as much of my life as anything. So it's, yeah, awesome. it's massive. So. Oh yeah. That picture was from BU, right? We were all yeah, up there. Was, yeah. We must've, exactly. we must've, well, no, did we see you got the guys up there? No, he, no, he was, he was there he when was, we won. He didn't, was duck I called him to he show was up at the and he was eating, yeah. he was eating pancakes. <laughs> that was like the third, that was like the Thursday night, the, uh, the, the short little program, like the 45 minute program. Yeah. Oh, you came for the elites. We see. We see. Yes. Yeah. Oh, I know. I know. I'm, te- I'm using the, the, the safe word. I'm telling gags. <laughs> the right. not so safe word. Awesome stuff, Andy. He's senior manager, global running marketing, Andy Down. And Andy, thanks so much for joining us, man. Appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Be well. Take care. Thanks, Take Andy. Care, All right. There he goes. Let's take a quick break.
All right. Thanks again to Andy Downen. Uh, great to hear about his story from start to where he is today um, and how he's positively affecting his community, the run community um, and the Georgetown community. So thanks again to Andy. Give him a follow, A Downen, A Downen on Instagram. So Hoyas Track and A Downen. There's your homework, A Downen, Hoyas Track. Give those Instagram accounts follows. Well, and it could be to actually download Instagram. Instagram, that might be part of the homework too. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. That's true. (laughs) Hey guys, uh, tell us tell us a little bit about the positive changes that you've seen either in your home or in your community. Like, let's let's focus a little here on uh, on something great that's happening for ourselves individually or with our families. Am, you're up. Hey, absolutely. As much as you know, I, I miss being around the team. I miss um, coaching. Um, this is the first in maybe ten years that I got a chance to spend an entire weekend with my family on my birthday i've not had that that's awesome it's usually my birthday my birthday falls during easter time so typically either i'm at a meet or coming from a meet and or they're not here Mm -hmm. because you know they're on spring break and who's staying home so i'm at a meet so as tough as this has been it's been great to have family time um i think i got suckered into cooking all the time so i'm I'm cooking a (laughs) lot but i enjoy cooking and I'm not, I'm, I'm like, it's, this is not a restaurant. I'm, I'm like, where are the tips? Where are you guys going to tip? But it's been, it's been, that's been very special to have this time with family. And as hard as it's been to not be with the team and, you know, I miss coaching. Um, I'm doing a little bit of coaching. My son decided he wanted me to help him out. So I'm like, kid, you sure you, you sure you want to do that? Yeah. But um, I'm enjoying spending that time with, with, with him and having dinner you know, consistently with the family is not something that's the norm when you're a track coach. And so um, that's been enjoyable having that time with family and occasionally still getting out. So I'm actually, you know, with with all this eating, I, you know, I, I told Coach Cully, it's either I'm going to be really fit or I'm going to be really fat. So <laughs> I'm trying to lean towards trying to get yeah. fit. So this is probably the best the best shape that I've been in in, in, in years um, because I'm actually – needing to get a little exercise um every day after sitting at you know zooming zooming all day so um the the positive is more quality time with family and and also contributing to my overall health by doing more exercising that's great yeah that's great i know usually somewhere around three o'clock a.m is out he is uh working from nine or so onward till about three and then he's outside he heads out with the kids um get some fresh air with Charlene and uh, then I know he's back on the phones at night because yeah. he's, he's recruiting and yes. I know he's recruiting hard right now, but having that break in the afternoon just feels like it feels like a never ending weekend for a, a or a never ending Sunday, I should say, for a track coach. Right. Because absolutely we're never yeah. here during the weekends this time of year. Uh, coach Baldy, how how's how's life been at home for you? Yeah, I'll echo what uh, AM just said. You know, for me, I've always tried to just be around and checking with family and have them participate in, you know, all aspects of my life. My two older kids have worked at our airport restaurant stores before, you know, the coaching staff at Georgetown has been gracious enough to allow justice to come on track trips when we go. And the same was true when I was at Bullis, but, you know, schools being closed, uh, public schools in DC or all over the country being closed has been such a blessing for me because I've actually been able to be present. Hmm. Um, and you know, the last couple of weeks, Justice has learned to ride a bike. We went roller skating the other day. You know, I did have a conference call, and she was reading one of her books. And then 
all of a sudden I heard this thumping behind me and I turned around and she literally with my crutches had set up a long jump pit in my dining room. <laughs> That's awesome. And, <laughs> and jumping into pillows and blankets and I had to promise her mom, like, this was not me. I'm not like, <laughs> egging her on to be a long jumper, but, you know, just having dedicated, quiet, present time with my family has just been really important. Um, like like Alton, I've been cooking the last three weeks, which is something I haven't done in years. Um, and so, yeah, just really having the time with even the business world, just being quiet, um, is probably not another opportunity, hopefully, that we'll have like right. this again in life. So just to be able to take this time and really like refocus on what are the priorities in my life. And I feel like when this is over, obviously other things will be mixed in, but I think I will be not think I will be intentional about just being more balanced. Um, and the time that I spend with the people that I care about, just making sure that I'm present, um, with, you know, student athletes, with coaches, with friends, with family, it's just really important because this whole thing happened in about 10 days. Mm -hmm. And it just is a reminder of how, fragile it is what we're blessed enough to live every day and that's life and so for me it just really enabled me to just be present and i'm you know i'm committed to making sure it's that way going forward and i, I want to take a quick minute here i mean it, that really resonates with me Stephen, because uh you and i are in similar situations and, and julie too with our businesses and you know i feel like uh, you know we've spent 20 years you know uh, you've spent 20 years i've spent 20 years or whatever it is to build to get to this place where you've, um, where you are in your business and your career. And you feel like it could all be ripped away in a week, which is just powerful. And, um, you know, for, for me, I'm with you. It's, it's, it's been, uh, a good time to, to reflect on that and realize, you know, you realize what it takes to get to where you were those 20 years of grinding. But then again, we, this has given us a moment to, to figure out what really matters too. And I think that's really important for, for everybody to do. And we will all come out of it and there will be a new norm. Um, you know, I, I didn't want to ask Andy what, if he thinks the new New York marathon that new balance sponsors is going to happen. Probably not he, a good question. Yeah. Not a good question. I mean, <laughs> none of us can know, We don't know. but, but let's yeah. control what we can control. Yeah. And it, that was hard for me to be so out of control initially, but we can control time with the family, being present, and you realize how important that is. Yeah, and you know what I was going to say on top of that, Stephen, is, um, you know, I think raising young kids and, um, you know, you have this experience and also from, from, you know, different time period, but it feels like their world is so controlled, like for young children. So like to entertain them, we take them to like physical playgrounds, you know, being in a semi-urban area, we take them to physical playgrounds, we take them to indoor play places, we take them to all these kind of constructed spaces. And the one thing that I think has been a huge benefit um, as a parent is just like showing them that they can be creative in their driveway like finding spaces like we we take them to a field and there's all kinds of things that we're doing with them near our house it's just like chasing squirrels and looking up and seeing the birds and playing tag and like swinging yes. and <laughs> and teaching them like little things that like we did maybe as as young children because we didn't necessarily I didn't grow up in an urban area but we're teaching them to be creative with their own thoughts again, instead of it just being like, here's the slide you go up. Like we, 
we construct those things now. And I think that that has been a really cool reflection back to the simplicity of things. And in a similar way that you're talking about, like, let's get back to helping them be creative to like, to, to design their own space, like, you know, playing with pillows and building forts and all these things that are just like so simple, but we tend to just like buy them a new toy or buy them a new contraption or take them to a new place that, you know, is a, is a controlled object. Yeah. And and we're just like bringing it back a little bit. And I think that's been really inspiring as a parent. Long jump pits in your, yeah. I mean, that is, that is awesome. I don't know where our our house is pretty teeny. So I don't know we're going to be able to build a track, but heck they are running. Like they are actually doing like races around the house with the dog. It's, it's pretty funny. So, and all of those kind of natural ways of getting back to, to true play is, uh, has come in the last month or so. So, silver linings everywhere uh certainly there's still a lot we have to do in our communities to to flatten the curve and and to get to that other side um but i think there's so much that we're learning and i just hope that we can all take that with us i i think you reflecting Stephen, on on being able to be more present in the future when things start to change and get back to quote unquote normal um those will be the challenges is, is kind of carrying this this spirit with us well, I know y'all have you guys as accountability partners, so I put it out there. All yeah. right. Hold I me, like hold it. Hold me accountable. I like it. I like it. Let's do it. Well, guys, thank you so much. Uh, great episode. Probably our longest one yet, so hopefully everybody gets uh, all the way through it. All right. But I know it's been a long show. Just real quick, uh, I just want to insert this because this was really touching. A note that was sent to all of us uh, from a listener uh, who said, I just finished listening to the second podcast you did with the current uh, Georgetown Track staff and wanted to shoot a note of thanks. The podcasts have given him an insight into the program and the efforts to build what Hoya's Track's stored legacy is with this new group of student athletes. So um, that was part of the, um, uh, can I say his name? Alden, is that all right? Yes, you uh, can. He's, right. a, he's, a, he's a Hoya. Bernie Gallagher, thank you. Really touching note. And I really appreciate uh, that and everybody listening uh, because it's, uh, it is a neat way to connect. It's certainly during these times, and I'm glad uh, Bernie and others are enjoying it. Well, all, Bernie is one of the 12, according to Andy Brown. <laughs> I know, he's killing our 12, our 12 listeners. Thanks. Thanks, Andy. Yeah. Thanks for the vote of confidence and support. <laughs> All right, guys, Stephen, Alton, Chris, I'm Julie Cully. Thank you guys so much. We'll see you for our next episode of the Show Him the G podcast. <laughs>